Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome back to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I am pleased to have joined us Dr. David Weisenhorn, our Parenting and Child Development Specialist. Today's topic is family meals, and I loved when David came in that he titled it Family Meals, The Real Value Meal. So, David, let's get right down uh, to the topic and talk about the importance of family meal time. Okay. Uh, I love family meals. Family meals were such a big part of my my growing up experience. I'm one of eleven children, uh, and so that in itself is a is a wow factor. But right, my parents made it a a, a point, and it was a a family tradition, if you will, that all of us, all thirteen of us, sat at a table every evening to share a meal together. And while I, I at times I hated that because I wasn't able to go and spend time with my friend or, or mm-hmm. yeah do do sporting activities that was such a sacred time but it was also one of my favorite times because it was the one time that I got to I got a, I got a spotlight you know one of eleven children you right. don't get a whole lot of time and so I, I would get the spotlight for whatever five ten minutes and as we walked around worked our way around the table of how was your day today what was something you learned today or what was the most exciting thing that happened to you today. Uh, it really gave me an opportunity to do that. So I love family meals. But not only do I like family meals because it was a favorite growing up and pastime, but it's also a lot of science behind the benefits that come with eating meals. And, and those they're far-reaching. So you've got family meals have been associated with healthy eating, lower rates of obesity, decreased rates of food insecurity in children. It's also been linked to better academic performance. That's right, parents. Better academic right. performance, personal well-being, less alcohol and substance use, and less behavioral problems. So I will say that I had a very similar experience, although there were not 13 of us. It was just <laughs> my brother and I and my parents, so a family of four, but a very similar experience with family mealtime growing up. And I don't know that I appreciated it at the time nearly as much now as an adult and as a parent that I can reflect back on it. But my mom served dinner every night at 6 o'clock. It didn't matter what you were doing, what you had going on, where you were. You better be walking in the door at 6 o'clock. And as we got older, especially after my brother moved away, that my mom didn't care who I brought in the door with me. And she might not know if it was me or if it was three or four of us that was coming in the door, but she she felt that it was so important that we have that time to sit down and talk and also to make certain that, that we also got a good meal in our bellies as well. But now as a parent, you know, we very much try to model that within our household as well. Yeah, and, and we do as well. And I, and I like the fact that you talked about how your parents invited your friends. They didn't mind. Right. And, and I think this is a really a, a unique way and a, and a good way for parents to get to know their, their children's friends. And that's a, a good way of doing it and letting guards down when people are hungry and you're getting those endorphins going from eating all that food. It makes conversation easy and you get to talk about the things that you like or you didn't like about the day. And you can kind of hear how your kid's conversation is just a really, uh, I think, a really healthy way of spending time together. And I think I think that that's a great point too, that especially with, with one or two of my friends that they did not have that 
that opportunity at home to have that home-cooked meal, but it made my mom feel good that not only she was providing that for them, but that also she got to hear that, you know, she could learn more from them Mm -hmm. about what was going on (laughs) in school or our lives than than she could for me. And so looking back on it, I I can definitely appreciate. And sometimes I wonder now, especially as I'm preparing meals, of, of how she did it, of how she always put that meal on the table and how she always had enough. And sometimes I can find myself making excuses in my head of, well, it's been a really long day, or we have a sports activity, or we have this, or we have that. But I also know that it's so important that we prioritize that, that we have to think through and plan ahead of how we can work through some of those barriers. Yeah, and and well stated. And those do seem to be barriers. And so I want to be fair in in putting that out there, that a lot of research does show that that sometimes the size or the space or lack of space also prevents people from getting together. And I would just encourage that there doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be one specific space. It can be a lot of spaces that you can do that. You know, you can go outside oftentimes and, and maybe put down a, a blanket or something and, and eat together. Or, or you try and combine a couple of, uh, of, of spaces within a home to, to make that meal a possibility because of the benefits that come right. I've often I've often heard that that sometimes people get so focused on the kitchen table mm-hmm. that it's not really about the kitchen table. It's the opportunity that we we sit down, we eat together, we talk together, that we don't have the TV on in the background or that we're not distracted on our electronics. So as as you mentioned, sometimes with with sporting activities, if they're kind of crossing into the to the mealtime hour, we do in our house what's called the a school lunch dinner that we'll just take, you, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and some fruit and maybe some cut up veggies or whatever and take it with us to the sports practice. And then after it's over with, we have a little mini picnic just to make certain we're still eating at a decent hour, but still have that family meal time together as well. I love that. I think that's a great idea. My son is now playing soccer. And so he six o'clock is when his practice starts, which is typically about the time that we're either well into our meal or sitting down closely shortly after we sit down. And so we've kind of jockeyed that around and said, okay, well, we're going to eat later. We're going to give the kids a little more of a snack and then we'll eat when at seven o'clock. And so, so mom works hard to get that, that meal done while, while I take Elijah to, to soccer practice. And so, yeah, there does take some jostling. I think there is. And, and I like the way that you said that is, is it does take some intentionality on your part to try and say, okay, what? And there are a couple of days during the week that we're not going to have our, our typical uh, dinner time. Is there a way that we can still make this thing work? Yeah. And I, I love the divide and conquer method that you just explained <laughs> as well, because we, we definitely implement that too, that one of us will stay home and get dinner cooked while the other one does the the running of the sports practice or the piano or whatever it it may be. Yeah, and you know, when I was thinking about my my childhood experiences, um, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that I, the reason that the 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 science shows such positive associations with healthy eating is back to this the responsibility of parenting and that we're modeling what we're eating and how we're eating. And so, you know, when you sit down at a dinner table and there's broccoli, my son is pretty slow to grab a hold of that and maybe my daughter too. But the fact that mom and dad eat broccoli shows them that I'm not just forcing you to eat this or I'm requiring you to eat something that you think is gross, but this is really good for you. And, and so the, the more I'm able to eat and, and show that I'm eating healthy encourages that healthy uh, appetite for our children. 
and I mentioned forcing, and I, and I want to back up on that so nobody quotes me on that. Actually, when I grew up, my parents were products of the Depression, and so eating and finishing your plate was a big was a, was a big uh, rule in my house. When when you had a, a plate full of food, you didn't leave the table until that plate right, was clean. Right. And uh, we've learned we've come a long way since those times in knowing that forcing children to eat is not healthy either, and we don't want to do that. And so when it comes to well, my my kids don't like to eat vegetables, and I don't want to cook something that I have to throw away. And what I'd like to tell parents is, is don't force your children. Now, I, I do make all my children try the vegetables, mm-hmm. whatever's on the table, eggplant. And I'm honest with them. We had beets the other night, and my kids are just like, oh, oh terrible yeah. beets. That's a hard one. <laughs> it's a hard it's one. A hard it's, a, it's a hard sell. And I told them, honestly, I said, you know what? I didn't like them either when I was a kid. So it's okay. And I don't mind them, but I want them to try it. And I think there's importance in trying it. And a lot of times my son will say before he even tries it, I don't like that. And I'll say, how do you do that? How do you know How that? do you know? Yeah, you how never you know? even tried. Try it. You got to try it. So no forcing, but, but making them try. So I think, uh, again, and the way that we behave as parents at the dinner table can influence our children in a great way to, to being healthy in the days to come. I know one thing that our pediatrician shared with us when our older child was just starting on table foods and, and that type thing, and I was trying to prevent him from being a picky eater, that I wanted him to be an open eater, and I wanted him to try different things. And she said, you know, he's not going to like everything on his plate, but she said, just keep putting it there. Keep mm-hmm. exposing it to him. Keep encouraging him to take that one little taste. And um, one of his things was sweet potatoes that he just did not, <laughs> he decided exactly like what you said about your son, that he, he did not like sweet potatoes before he ever tasted them. And I would always give her a hard time when we'd go in for our well child checks and she would ask, you know, well, what fruits and vegetables are you eating and all that? And I'd say, I'm still putting sweet potatoes on his plate. How many times do I need to expose him to it before he's going to like it? I think it took us like 10 years, but he eats sweet potatoes now, right? Wow. So, so you, you know, it was just persistence of, and I would just put a little bit on his plate and, you, you know, it would just, it would sit there and, I'd, you know, just take a taste, just take a taste. And he knew every time he saw it that he was going to take a taste. Uh, but now I, I think he would tell you that he really likes sweet potatoes. So, wow. 10 years of consistency. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, right. I'm persistent. <laughs> yes, I'm persistent. Yes, you are. And I think that's a, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. And it's part of it. I, I want sweet potatoes to be in our rotation and yeah. so therefore therefore I, I want him to eat it our, we've been blessed with our daughter that she just eats whatever veggie we we put down although yeah. I don't I don't know that we've tried beets but maybe I will and see what happens I, I know what's crazy and, and, I, and I always tell my children hey you know our taste buds are changing every mm-hmm. seven years our taste buds are changing and so yeah it's important to try it because today might be the day that you like it and so I really appreciate what your what your pediatrician said as well is that Parents, do not curb your meals to what your children like. It is an absolute detriment to a child's taste buds and the maturity that that will come. Continue to provide healthy meals, well-rounded meals. If they do not eat them, it's not a reason for punishment. But I, I like that idea of just being persistent and continuing to say, hey, listen, you're going to have to try this. And like you said, your son knew every time yeah, that, that yeah. he saw that sweet potatoes, yeah. at least one bite was going to go down the hatch. Yeah. You know, And so he, he had to prepare himself. And I think that is just a really healthy way of encouraging our children to eat what's there. And it makes them, it makes them better dinner guests at their friend's house, right? And that they're willing to try. And that's what I tell them. When you go somewhere else and somebody puts something down, that's not the way you respond. Ooh, yuck, that looks gross. You know, and those are those are important conversations are, that are happening are. at the dinner table. You know, like we I want my children to be liked by other kids so that we get a night off. 
Just kidding. <laughs> but you do. You want your children to be liked. And so that's important, I think. And being able to teach them proper uh, manners and, and table etiquette is part of our responsibility. And that can happen during family meals. Before we wrap up today, I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier, that you talked about the conversation that mm. you all had at the dinner table of your parents asking you about how was your day and what what went well for you today? Or can you talk a little bit more about the importance of that conversation and maybe just give some parents some tips? Because as we've talked before, I have a teenager and so everything in his world is okay or good. I think we have mm-hmm. regressed to a two-word vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And so finding ways to word those questions that he at least has to give me a full sentence sometimes has become challenging. Yes. Yeah. And, and you're right. And, and only because I've, I've run into those same roadblocks, you know, the, how was your day? Okay. You know, what you, did, did you have fun today? Yes or no? And so what I've learned is that we, we've got to stop with the, the yes, no questions and really Ask open-ended questions. Tell me three things today that that you liked. Tell, what was the weirdest thing you experienced today? And, and I try to temper that. And, and there are cards out there. You know, I tell you, Chick Fil A. Thank goodness for Chick Fil A. Uh, they have done so well. They have those little meal cards that they give away. Right. <laughs> have you seen these? Yes, the family conversation. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, you t- tell give a favorite vacation that you ever went on, or a family story that you like, and. All those really do help. And so I think table topics are important, but your child has to know that you're interested and truly interested in what they have to say. And depending on where the age of the child is, you would need to temper some of those questions. But I think asking questions that are open-ended and that are specific. So how was your day? Not very specific. And so (laughs) it can can be difficult for a child to even try to maneuver and and try to figure out what answer to give on that. So being as specific as you can, how was the STEM class today? Or how was, who did you play with at recess? What games did you play? You know, I'm talking about I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So those seem to be rather appropriate. And those tend to be, you know, what's your favorite subject? I like recess. You're like, okay, well. So how was skipping rope? You know? Right, right. Well, and so <laughs> as you talk that? about this, that you can find those question prompts easily through an internet search, yes. that there's lots of resources out there to find that. I know one that that I read someplace, and I thought this is a good one to use because he cannot give me a one-word answer, but it was, what made you smile today? And so we, we did that a couple times, and then he got smart, and his answer was face muscles. Uh, <laughs> that was very smart. Yeah. The strong-willed child. I know, I know. But uh, but at least at least it was different than okay or good, and it was a two-word response. So now we have the what made you use your face muscles to smile today question, yeah, and I'm certain I'll like find it. a way around that one too. But at least, you know, I think to him now it's, it's engaging, it's a game, he knows it's coming, yeah. and he's thinking of ways to kind of spread the conversation in, in different directions. Yeah, and I and I like that. And I'll go back to what I think you did so well with the with the vegetables, with the sweet potatoes, and that is consistency. And so I would encourage parents to consistently ask the questions, even if they may not be the best question. But the more questions you ask, the more you learn. And there is no mess up, right? So so no regrets in, in learning and in, in trying to converse with our children. It's so important that we have those conversations that we that we build that alliance with our children to let them know that, hey, look, I care about what's going on in your life. I want to know what happens day to day. I don't just ask you this because it's what we do. It's a habit. It's because I truly desire to know how things are in your life. And the more I think you can cultivate that relationship, 
the more those conversations will mature and the deeper they'll get and the more things maybe you know whether you like it or not the more things you'll learn as they continue to grow and they'll be and they'll trust you as an ally Right, right. This is such a great topic, David, and I feel like that we could talk for several more minutes about the topic, but I will also encourage individuals that, as you said at the very beginning, that research tells us that family meals are important in the development of our children, and that uh, if this is a topic that you're interested in Mm -hmm. learning more information about, that contact your local county extension office that in December will do a, a big push about family mealtime. And so if you're looking for those tips, resources, additional information about how to incorporate family mealtime into your daily routine and daily schedule, please reach out and, and take that information home. And just it, it's small steps, you, you know, if it's not something that's been part of your daily routine, shoot for one day a week or two days a week until it just becomes more commonplace. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thanks so much for joining us today, David. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.